Dr. John Johnson, welcome to Tell Somebody. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and appreciate your taking the time to talk with us today. And okay, no problem. If I've got my dates straight, your daughter's 22nd birthday would have been last Friday, is that right? Yeah, that's correct, July the 27th. Can you tell us a little bit about your daughter, Lavina Johnson? Yeah. Uh, Lavina uh, uh, was a, a honor roll student the whole time she was in school. Uh, she's always been very conscientious. She was very disciplined. Uh, she, um, I, it, when she was 14, 9 uh, happened. Uh, I think that had a, kind of an impact on her conscientiousness because she asked me a lot of questions about it. And, of course, you know, being the father, I, I tried to, uh, you know, try to answer as many questions as I could as to why somebody would, would kill innocent people. And, and the questions just kind of went on and on. Well, I work for the Department of the Army. In fact, I'm retired from the Department Department of the Army. I worked in civilian personnel uh, there for over 25 years. Uh, we, My daughter visited my job. I mean, she met some people there. Uh, we had done well. And so, um, and plus I'm a veteran. I went into the Army right out of high school. Uh, my daughter was a type of, of a person, people always compared her to me, you know, being ambitious and, and being well-liked by people and handling ourselves in crises, et cetera, and so on. So when she uh, was a senior in high school, uh, she asked me, and, and I took her out for a ride, and she and I talked, and that's when she advised me that she had been thinking about going into the Army. And uh, and when I inquired as to why she might want to do that, uh, she said, well, uh, I just want to do something good for my country. She said, and plus it'll give me a chance to do some traveling. And uh, I, she knew I had her money to go to school because she had asked me. And she said, but I want to earn my own money to go to school so you can take my money and uh, send my baby sister to school. So uh, she she joined the army. Uh, she she seemed to to do okay. She went through basic training. Uh, they told us how mentally tough she was, uh, and that uh, she was well disciplined. Uh, they used her as an example uh, to the men. You know, in terms of her being, she was only like five one, uh, so she wasn't a very big person. Uh, at any rate. Uh, she liked the responsibility, she, you know, uh, of going places and people recognizing she was in the service, et cetera, and so on. And she was just a very, very proud person. Uh, we are a, an extremely close family, so she came from a close family. Uh, she has a, a tremendous uh, bond with her mother, but she also had a very strong bond with me as well to include her brothers and sisters. So she just basically was just a good genuine, uh, honest person uh, and who wanted to do something good. And when did she enlist? She graduated from high school in May of 2004, and in September that same year, she went into the Army. How soon after that did she go overseas? Uh, she uh, went to, uh, she, to Iraq May of 2005. So we're talking pretty close 
little over 10 months after being in the Army, she was sent over there. And you and your wife were in, uh, had a lot of contact with her. How did she like how things were going? Uh, she um, uh, worked in the communications room over there in Iraq, and what they did there was they would come to that room and, and send emails and make phone calls home, and she was in charge of that communications room in that she opened it up in the morning and then she locked it up in the evening. Um, she was terrified about going to Iraq, but after she got there, she spent an, an, an uh, amazing amount of time trying to convince her mom and I not to worry about her because she wasn't fighting, you know, in combat. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's pretty much how she was adjusting. But I talked to her on the 14th of July. Uh, this was uh, several couple of days before she was murdered. And this was the gist of our conversation. She said, I'm going to be re- uh, reporting back to the States. Uh, I'll be there for a year. Then I'll probably rotate back over here and spend the rest of my time. She said, but then I'm going to get out and uh, go to college. She said, because first of all, my recruiter lied to me. He told me I wouldn't have to come over here. And she said, here I am over here, 120 degrees in the shade. She said, Daddy, the scorpions over here look like mice. And so she had a tremendous sense of humor anyway. Mm-hmm. And so she joked with me about that. So then on the 17th of July, uh, she talked with her mother, and she pretty much reiterated the same thing, except with her mother, she emphasized uh, being home for the Christmas holidays. Uh, during the Christmas holidays, she and I and her baby sister, we always decorated the tree together. We've done that for years. Uh, when she was away from home the first year, she made it back in time enough for Christmas, and we waited to decorate the tree until she got home. And so she had asked her mother, tell Dad, don't decorate that tree until I get home. So she was looking forward to come home, coming home for Christmas. And the Army said she, she died on the 19th of July, which is not accurate. And she died on the night of the 18th of July because they were at my front door at 7.30 in the morning and, on the 19th. And your wife spoke to her then the the very day before she died? Absolutely, and they uh, they talked for a good hour because she was on break, and so she spent more a little extra time compared to some of the other times, you know. And, and this was a young lady looking ahead and not showing signs of being depressed or upset Correct. or something? Not only that, she told her mother this. She said, I'm, I'm going to be changing jobs tomorrow. She said, I don't know what I'll be doing, so if I don't call you, she said, don't worry, I'll get a chance to call you on Tuesday. So she was even looking forward to talking to her mother, if not the next day, surely the day after. And then, you, before I interrupted, you started to say that uh, somebody showed up at your front door. Yeah, uh, this uh, staff sergeant showed up at 7.30 in the morning of the, of the 19th, and he said, uh, I have a, he asked me, he said, are you Mr. John Johnson? Well, first of all, when they rang the doorbell, 7.30 in the morning, we were wondering who would be ringing our doorbell that early. My wife looked out the window, and she could see him standing on the front porch. And so she said, John, it's a soldier on the front porch. And I said, oh, man. She said, what does that mean? I said, man, 
something that happened to Lavina. So when I went down the stairs and I opened the door, he said, are you John Johnson? I said, yes, I am. He said, is Miss Johnson home? So my wife was standing up on the balcony looking down, and I said, that's her up there. And so he said, Lavina L. Johnson died this morning from self-inflicted wounds. And we were devastated. Uh, it, it took us a while. None of the other family members covered long enough, but I did. And so I said, wait a minute, did you say self-inflicted? And he said, yes, sir. I said, are you saying my daughter intentionally killed herself? And he said, no, sir, I didn't say that. He said, uh, this message came from the Secretary of Defense. He said, and as far as I know, Lavina's death is being investigated. And so that, he stood there the whole time. And then after he saw that uh, we were going through, you know, he, he eventually said, is there anything I can do? And to <laughs> be honest with you, I told him, if you can't give me my daughter back, no, there's nothing you can do for us. And so he then left. So apart from just, I mean, the shock and grief of losing your daughter, period, uh, what was yours and, and your rest of your family's reaction to this uh, comment about it being self-inflicted? What did uh, you think about that? First of all, nobody believed it. Uh, we're not only talking immediate family. None of the family members uh, believed it. Uh, none of the neighbors believed it because they've known her for about 10 years. Uh, none of the people who knew her at school believed it, including fellow students, nobody believed that she was the type of person that would commit suicide. Nobody. So where did you go from there? Well, what we did, uh, obviously, I, I went to the news media because I was confident that Lavina would not have taken her life. She wasn't that type of person. Uh, uh, let, me, let me say something else. I worked for the Department of the Army uh, for 25 years. Part of that uh, job, I worked at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, in their drug abuse program. And one thing they taught me was how to uh, uh, identify potential uh, suicide candidates. So I knew that technique very well. Uh, my daughter didn't come anywhere near fitting that kind of a profile. Plus, my daughter was a vegetarian. She was a member of PETA and Vega and they don't believe in killing animals. So the, the likelihood of a young lady coming from a Christian home where she was taught to commit suicide is a sin, belonging to those types of organizations, the likelihood of her committing suicide was remote, and she didn't have that kind of personality anyway. Lavina was a 19-year-old naive female trying to grow up away from home, and that was basically her personality. So you went to the media and... Uh, well, they, they, they actually came to me because it, it hit the United Press because she was the first uh, female in Missouri uh, to die from uh, in Iraq and, uh, and, and Afghanistan, I believe. And so they actually came to me, and, and I was confident that she hadn't committed suicide, so I accommodated them. And... When was the body shipped home, and what what did you find out uh, initially about what kind of investigation that the Army was doing? Uh, okay. The person who served as our uh, casualty,
immediately to Leozon from Fort Linwood. He he acted as the liaison between us and the military. He originally came to us and told us that he was told that Lavina was found dead in her barracks from a gunshot wound to the head. Uh, two days after she was murdered, we got messages from soldiers, not, not us personally, but a friend got a message out of Iraq, and that message said that Lavina was not found dead in her barracks. We got another message from another soldier, and that was sent to another relative, and these were obviously people who knew my friend and relatives, and they knew about it, and they said that she was found dead in the tent, and they pretty much pinpointed the, the tent. It was a contractor's tent that they found her dead in. Well, they told me gunshot wounds, so when my daughter's body got here, I looked her body over, and on the left-hand side of her head, I could see a bullet hole. So, obviously, I went back to the news media because by that time, everybody knew the body had come here, and the body got here, and that was like, uh, I guess, 15, 20, about 15 days after they said she was dead, so we're talking sometime in August. I've got it written down on calendars and stuff. I don't have that accessible right now. Sure. But at any rate, uh, I looked it over. I saw a bullet hole on the left side of her head, so I went back to the news media, and I said, uh, my daughter had a bullet hole on the left side of her head, and she's right-handed. Obviously, the military got word that I had said that, and so they countered by saying she stuck an M16 rifle in her mouth and pulled the trigger, and uh, that's how she died. Well, the NCO that escorted her body from Iraq to Missouri told our liaison that he don't know why they said Lavina committed suicide because they didn't know what had happened to her and that her death was under criminal investigations. Well, when the news media got a wind of that and they called the Army, uh, they were told by a spokesperson from Washington that all non-combat deaths are investigated under criminal investigative status. But I found out later that that wasn't totally true, that Fort Campbell, Kentucky, out of concern, uh, authorized this type of uh, investigation. Uh, the criminal investigative unit uh, supposedly took 10 months to investigate a suicide. They called me up after 10 months and told me their conclusion was that she had committed suicide. Now, understand, up until this point, I don't have any paperwork. The only thing that I have uh, at that point was their word that it was a suicide, which I didn't accept or believe anyway. After the uh, 11 months, and not in, in fact, it was almost a year, then we got pictures from the uh, autopsy center. Now, these were all black and white Xerox copies of pictures of the crime scene and at the uh, autopsy center. Where, where was the autopsy done? At Dover Air Force Base. Uh, actually, it was a partial autopsy. They didn't do a complete autopsy. And their paperwork says that, because here's the irony behind the whole thing. They, they are, to this day, still maintaining that it was a suicide, but this is how they played it. They sent the paperwork the 10th and the 12th month after Lavina was dead. 
uh, my family, I, we've got a little team that we put together, and we went through that paperwork. And, and listen to what I'm getting ready to tell you. There is nothing in that paperwork that even suggests physically, I'm talking about physical evidence, that Lavina committed suicide. Absolutely none. In fact, everything points to rape and murder. So at any rate, we put a package together on their information and we sent it back to them and we said, what are you talking about suicide? This was murder. They told us the case was closed, but there were some people who took the time to send me statements and these were inflammatory statements about my daughter's character. And they did that. I got about three or four letters from them after the case had been officially closed. Now, first of all, if the case was closed, they spent a lot of time trying to convince me that it was a suicide, but this was only after we had gone to them and told them their paperwork didn't uh, support that kind of a, a notion. So they spent a lot of time uh, working on the uh, motive, you know, for a suicide than they did investigating it, because they really didn't. They did a walkthrough investigation, and a lot of the information that were in those pictures, they... Uh, that, that raises a lot of questions. One uh, in, in my mind is I've heard of cases of uh, women soldiers uh, being assaulted and so forth because their living arrangements are such that they're kind of isolated from other women and they're surrounded by men. You know, I've, I've heard of some getting infections and, and I think one even dying because in in this incredible heat with all the water they have to drink, they wouldn't go to the latrine. They were afraid to yeah. to go out of their tent because they might be assaulted by fellow soldiers. Yeah. What what kind of living arrangements did your daughter have? Well, first of all, uh, it was ironic because my daughter talked to her mother, and and there were some problems that we picked up on. And we mentioned them to Lavina, but we couldn't do anything about them. First of all, Lavina was in Iraq for eight weeks, and she was dead. During that time, they never assigned her a battle buddy. Uh, she had a battle buddy in basic training. She had a battle buddy in advanced infantry training. She had a battle buddy at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. This is some kind of standard procedure? What is a, a battle buddy exactly? A battle buddy is a person that, that you two are responsible for reporting uh, what happens or what each other do for a 20, on a 24-hour basis. And, and every soldier is supposed to have a battle buddy. Our problem started when Lavina got to Fort Campbell because the unit that she was assigned to was already had already been deployed. So at first she was calling us saying she didn't think she had to go. Then she called us up a, a, a week or so after that, and she was told at that point that she was coming back to St. Louis to work in the recruiting office here. She was elated to hear that. But then who the, the person that was the major general over in Iraq at that time, he ordered her to come to Iraq. And what I understand, it was her and four other females that flew over from uh, Fort Campbell, Kentucky, to Afghanistan and then to Iraq. That 
within itself created another problem because you're talking about four people that's able to, you know, battle buddy up two on two, but then that left her an oddball. And so consequently, she was running around there trying to do her job, and uh, and she was doing it running about around by herself. Her mother suggested to her that she go and tell them to assign her a battle buddy. Uh, Lavina's response to that was, Mom, I can't tell my superiors what to do. And so I told my wife when she told me that, I said, that's ridiculous. And so when I talked with her, I said, you don't have a battle buddy? And she said, no, sir. I said, well, how do you feel about that? So she, well, you know, I run to the bathroom. I keep my door locked, and, and I don't have to go off post, you know, so everything is right here. And she said, you guys don't worry. I'm okay. You know, that was pretty much how she approached it. But uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Now, since my daughter has been dead, I have gotten on the Internet, and my group and I, we've collected a lot of, of scenarios similar to Lavina. She she wasn't a, a unique thing.